Ah, yes. The eternal battle between good and evil, saint and sinner. But you're still not having any fun! From Chicago, this is The Unenthusiastic Critic, a podcast about destroying your marriage one movie at a time. and welcome to The Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough. I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today, it's like looking in a mirror, only not. It's my lovely wife, Nakia, also known as The Unenthusiastic Critic. Hello. On today's episode, Nakia and I are sitting down for her first viewing of John Woo's identity-swapping action hit, Face Off, from 1997. Nakia, as I said at the end of last week's episode... My entire justification for watching Face Off this week comes from a conspiracy theory that appeared on the now deplatformed right-wing platform Parler exactly one week before Joe Biden's inauguration. An anonymous poster assured the assembled Trump supporters, you know, to whom things looked bleak at that moment, that they had nothing to fear. I will quote directly from the post. Joe Biden has been arrested. The deep state is in disarray and has struck a deal with the Trump administration. There will be an experimental surgery that will exchange the faces of Biden and Trump. So when you watch Biden's inauguration, you will really be watching Trump being sworn in for a second term. And when you are watching the Trump trials, that is really Biden paying for his crimes. Also, when Trump, as Biden, stammers or slurs his words... That's because Trump is still learning to duplicate his speech patterns. Now this, I mean, to me, this seems so logical as to be nearly inarguable. I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that once someone points it out, you, you can't believe you didn't see it yourself. I think sometimes we just don't want to see what's right in front of us. What do you think? I think the fact that I have to watch Face Off because you were trolling fucking QAnon um, is a Okay, problem. I was not trolling QAnon. People on Twitter were reposting this. Second of all, as with so many of their conspiracy theories, this makes absolutely no fucking sense. No, it makes perfect sense. So it's Trump that just signed all those executive orders. Undoing everything undoing Trump did. Undoing everything in that his he administration. did. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's just to lull us into a false sense sure. of security sure. while the real machinations are going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Trump as Biden would do to convince people. Because he's, he's proven really himself Biden. to be a brilliant <laughs> strategist in that way. Yeah, okay. In all seriousness. And then explain the body. <laughs> what ha- I mean, mass is a thing. Like, it exists. Uh-huh. Yes, this is true. So. Can neither be created nor destroyed. Right. Mm-hmm. So where, wh- explain the body. You're suggesting their body types are not similar. I, I'm suggesting that it would take more than a face swap to <laughs> convincingly pull this just i mean it's a brilliant fucking scheme but yeah it, i just i don't the weird part to me and i think you brought this up last week too is that biden now trapped in trump's body would have to be it's totally not out there saying anything silent about, about the fact that he was <laughs> biden and not trump 
go through an entire impeachment trial and not at, <laughs> at any point say, you know, hey, I'm no, I'm Joe Biden. I, I think he's going to be gagged like mm-hmm. Bobby Seale. Yeah. So I just I'm struggling a little bit. I mean, this is it's it seems to me it's a prime example of what they call Poe's Law. which is the internet maxim that holds, it is impossible to create a parody of extreme views so obviously exaggerated that it cannot be mistaken by some readers for a sincere expression of the views being parodied. You, You can't tell. I honestly have no idea if this was meant to be a joke Mm -hmm. or if someone really believes it, because there are people out there who believe shit way crazier than this. Sure. And a couple of them have now been elected to the U.S. Congress. Yeah. So. Mergery. Yes, mergery. So God only knows. Now, the point being, this post on Parler, and can I just side note, I had assumed it was pronounced Parlay because that's the French word from which it takes its name. Mm -hmm. It's not. I looked it up. It's Parler. They pronounce it Parler. Of course they do. You think they would... Pronounce something the French way, which just to me, you just really think typifies the stupidity. They would even acknowledge that French was a language. Like, of course, they would not use the French pronunciation. Of course not. Anyway, this post on Parler did include a thumbnail of the poster for Face Off. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether the user included that as a wink, indicating that it was a parody, or perhaps included it as proof that such things are possible, I don't know. It's a documentary, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever really know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyway, all of this somehow added up to what to me was a reasonable excuse to con you into watching Face Off. What do you actually know about this movie? That I don't want to watch it. B- besides that? Uh, it stars Nicolas Cage and um, what's his name? Yes. Uh, Vinny Barbarino. What's his name? <laughs> I'm totally blanking on his name. I first knew him as the boy in the plastic bubble, I think. Travolta. Yes, John Travolta. <laughs> totally like that name. And they swap faces. Sure. I don't know the plot, so I'm not sure as to the why, as if there ever was a legitimate why to do something like that. I think. I mean, there are a million reasons. You one is a cop that. and one is a bad guy-ish. Mm, that would be interesting. Va- like, And this that, is me that's reaching, a, that's right? That's a great pitch for a movie right there. And so they, they swap faces. I don't know what the fuck this movie is about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never had any interest. In, these are not two of my favorite actors. <laughs> no. The premise does not sound like something I would enjoy. So, no. <laughs> okay. So, directed by Hong Kong-born John Woo, who made his name in Hong Kong action cinema and whose oeuvre has been incredibly influential on the action and crime movie genres. Barry Hertz, writing at the Globe and Mail, says... Wu's fetishistic embrace of ultra-lush violence, not only its execution, but its bloody consequences on the human body, is written into the DNA of any modern shootout sequence. Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, the Wachowski siblings, Michael Bay, and F. Gary Gray, who at the time was making the Fast and Furious movies, all pray at the altar of Wu. You, you like some of those? Some of those people? Do I? Well... You like some Tarantino <laughs> sure, I guess so, yeah. sequences. Yeah. You like the Wachowskis, the Matrix. Yes, that's okay. The action sequences in the Matrix owe a certain something to John Woo. Yes, okay. 
Yeah. Uh, and this is not my lane. I am not an expert on action movie stuff, I, let alone Hong Kong action movies. But my understanding is that Wu is known not just for the stylized violence, but for believing that action movies can and should channel deep emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where I think we get some of the sort of operatic emotional tones of these movies. I would suggest that you owe a debt to John Wu because you were very fond of the John Wick movies. Yes. The whole gun fu mm-hmm. as opposed to kung fu mm-hmm. action genre is traced back to John Wu. Okay. The shooting with two guns at the same time <laughs> kind of thing, the slow-mo. And then in those movies, you have that whole operatic, emotional, oh, my wife died and they killed my dog. They killed his dog. Thing going on. So I think I think it's possible you might enjoy this movie more than you, you think you will. Not with Nicolas Cage and <laughs> John Travolta. Okay, well, let's get to that. So... This was originally written back in 1990 as a spec script by Michael Caleri and Mike Werb. It kicked around various studios. No one got seriously interested for several years. Various pairs of actors were were attached at various points. The two authors originally wrote it, they said, with Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger in mind. And I, I think that's a missed opportunity of seeing those two stellar actors attempt to impersonate each other. Mm. I, I, I would have I would have paid full ticket price to see that. Uh, at one point, Michael Douglas, who is a producer on the movie, was attached to co-star with Harrison Ford. Oh, God. Now, do you have any thoughts on stealing Harrison Ford's face? Just go get a, a mountain. <laughs> get a slate slab of rock and just wrap it around your head. Like, what? There, there wouldn't be a and, whole lot to do. And impersonating there. his personality. Yeah, exactly. It would not be a heavy lift, <laughs> is what I'm saying. It really wouldn't. You'd have to sedate yourself slightly. <laughs> Whereas at least with, you know, Schwarzenegger and um, Stallone. Stallone, there'd be some accent work that there, would be right, particularly vocal interesting. vocal mannerisms yeah. and things, yes. With Harrison Ford, it's like, I'm Harrison Ford. Exactly. It really isn't <laughs> a whole lot to ask of anyone. Okay, but of course it ended up the perfect vehicle for Travolta and Cage, both of whom were at the time enjoying resurgences. Uh, Travolta had been working all along, and, you know, in the 80s he made the Look Who's Talking movies. Mm. Uh, But Pulp Fiction in 1994 had resurrected him as a more serious action-slash-crime movie star, uh, leading to Get Shorty, uh, Broken Arrow, which he made also with John Woo. And then Cage, who we just discussed recently when we watched Moonstruck, was at the height of the, what are we, Cajessance? No. Can, can we call it the Cajessance? Nope. <laughs> he had just won the Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas in 1995, and then back to back, he made The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Con Air and Face Off came out the same month. So you, you could have gone to theaters that month and seen that as a double feature, mm. which, what more could you ask? So much more. Sounds like a cocaine binge. <laughs> Uh, Face Off made $245 million worldwide. (laughs) (laughs) And this... This is why I could not be a film executive. Because I would be saying no to all these things. You would would have... No. (laughs) You would have laughed this out of the room. And then you would have been fired when it went on to make two hundred and forty. This is why. Dollars. So no one should listen to me because what the fuck do I know? Um, so. In a huge year for blockbusters, 
a year that included Titanic, Men in Black, Jurassic Park 2, Air Force One, and yes, Con Air. Face Off was the number eight movie of the year. So beloved is this film that Paramount is currently planning to remake it, or reboot it, or something. There's there's new Face Off coming. Or we could just do something different. <laughs> That's always an I mean, option. you can't. You can't beat this premise, though. Uh, You can. (laughs) Here's the part that may surprise you. Okay. This film has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Critics actually liked this movie. Michael Wilmington at the Chicago Tribune said it's about as wildly arousing, transfixing, and emotional as a big-budget Hollywood thriller can possibly get. Even though he acknowledges that the plot device that lets Travolta and Cage swap faces and personalities... Doesn't hold up to rational scrutiny. David Anson in Newsweek said Face Off is a summer movie extraordinaire, violent, imaginative, crazily funny, and, even more surprising, oddly moving. Woo, a master of poetical carnage, mixes kitsch, sadism, sentiment, and comedy with choreographic precision. Uh, Not everyone loved it, of course. Robert Schulgasser in the San Francisco Examiner suggested that Watching it causes a form of severe brain damage. Hmm. Uh, we'll we'll get back to her review. She says some interesting things, but I think we can we'll, we'll do that after we watch the movie. I've only seen this movie once. I don't remember particularly loving it. I, I may have just been in a snobby frame of mind. Ah, yes. You know, get off your high horse. Expecting something higher brow uh, from Face Off, like Con Air, yeah. which I did thoroughly enjoy. I don't understand you. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm anxious to, to revisit this and see see what I think of it now. Uh, what are what are you expecting? To hate it. Every moment of it? Pretty much. I mean, there may be some good fight choreography. I do like a good fight, but I don't anticipate enjoying this at all. <laughs> so you can only be pleasantly surprised at this point. I, I mean, I guess... Or more pissed off that I spent my time watching it. So I'm, I may as well tell you now, it's a little on the long side. How long? Longer than you, you're going to think it needed to be. How long is it? Two hours and change. How much is change? <laughs> I don't think that. That's I mean, important. The I, change is really important. How much change? Uh, how much change would be acceptable? No, you need to just tell me how much change. I, I think it's only like... 10 minutes of change. Too much. It's not 50 minutes of change. Too much change. This should be a fucking TikTok video, <laughs> and I anything beyond that, I'm not interested. As of this recording, Face Off is streaming free for subscribers on Amazon Prime and Hulu. It's playing this month on Epix and DirecTV, and I assume it's available to rent from all the other services. So we're going to go watch it now, and when we get back, we're going to talk about Face off. I've been chasing this guy ever since I joined the force. For Special Agent Sean Archer. He's the most dangerous criminal of mind I've ever known. There's only one way to catch a killer. I will become him. From the director of Broken Arrow. John Travolta. Nothing like having your face cut off to disturb your sleep. Nicholas Cage. Face off. You're not having any fun. And we're back. During the break, Nikia and I watched Face Off. Nikia, you and I usually take a break between watching the movie and recording this part. Sometimes we even do it the next day. This time, we are going right into it off watching the movie. So I realize that means you have not had time to process the emotional impact of Face Off. You've probably had not had a lot of time to think about the 
Dostoyevskian themes at the center of Face Off, but just first reactions. What what did you think of Face Off? Uh, trash. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Just Basura. trash. Garbage. Yes. <laughs> not. Not. Um, it was a very good bad film. <laughs> Can I just say, and I feel like I've said this before about something else. I don't remember what. I think if Keanu Reeves starred in this movie, okay, this you would you love this, this movie. Say what you Picture will. Picture this movie no. as a reteaming of Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze, for example. <laughs> this would be your favorite movie of all time. It would not. One, they would not do this film. <laughs> Two... In many films, changing the actors, yes, can either improve or diminish the, the results of the film. So I have not, it is not a secret that these two actors are not my favorite people. And this film leans in <laughs> to their worst qualities as actors, at least for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, if you took them out, I would probably have enjoyed it a little bit more. I, you know, I got to say, first of all, this movie, though it has its charms, mm-hmm. is no Con Air. Let's oh, just get that Which is, out there. I don't right even want to go there with that because your love for that film. <laughs> Second of all, I actually feel like you talked about the leaning in. Mm-hmm. I feel like it could have done that a little more. <laughs> really? I, I actually would have appreciated a little more because he, here's my pro. Here's what I would have done to fix this movie. Okay, I think I would have switched the characters. Because my problem with this movie is the real life in this movie is Nicolas Cage when he's evil. Mm-hmm. When he's playing himself, which is the evil character. Caster, yes. Right. But for most of the movie, he's not playing that character. No. I don't think John Travolta is as good at being evil as Nicolas Cage is. Mm-hmm. I, so I feel like the movie would have been more fun if Nicolas Cage had been the evil character for most of the movie, which means he would have had to be the good character at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. I actually think that Travolta did a good job as Caster pretending to be <laughs> Archer. <laughs> uh, it's a hard movie to talk about. It is a very hard movie to talk about because it's ludicrous. <laughs> Um, I sort of appreciated the fact that he had to do that sort of nuance of, like, he is the evil person, but is trying to pretend to be the good FBI agent. Right. Um, that was, I, this is a side note, but mm-hmm. it, I was thinking about Orphan Black. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part of that show was when one of the clones was trying to play was a pretending yeah. to be the other one and had to do that, had yeah. to like put on the mannerisms of another. Yeah. When really it was just Hadi Adam Maslani playing everybody. But right. Yeah. So, so I agree with you. That's it's fun watching that. But I mean, yeah. To your like, Nicolas Cage is always crazy, so it's hard for him to to believe him as the good guy because he's just he's. Just, he always has that energy. Because um, so. I feel like over the top, though, it was the crazy, dressed up like a priest, groping the choir girl, Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. is the life in this movie. Sure. But see, I think Travolta, I think Travolta handles it well. And, okay. uh, and does right. the, Yeah, this is, it's not a good movie. <laughs> because they're both, it's, none of it is good acting. 
It's all. Well, no, it's all just. How are we defining good in the standard <laughs> dictionary way that we define good? This is these as are, in the opposite of bad, right? Mm. This is just go out and like overact and act an ass, and we're gonna film it, and it's gonna be great. Which again, like, animate a quarter of a billion. Exactly, dollars. there is a market for that. <laughs> <laughs> I see the appeal of it. I would never spend, like, that was two hours and some change that I could have had back in my life. No, you can't have it back. Because I don't enjoy watching these two off the leash at all. <laughs> okay, well, I, I do think we should go through this movie a little bit just because there are so many amazing, amazing moments. And, you know, brilliant set pieces mm-hmm. and such. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't you think? I really don't want to, but sure, if you'd like to. Okay, let's start with the opening. We get, you know, sort of desaturated. I, I would say slow-mo, but everything in this fucking everything movie is slow-mo. is slow-mo. Two characters just, like, walking up to each other is in slow-mo <laughs> for no reason. Because it's dramatic. It kind of loses its kind of loses its impact after a while. Yeah. And if you're wondering where that, we said two hours in change, where the change came from. That's, all the slow-mo. It's all the slow-mo. You could have done all the unnecessary scenes in, you know, normal time and would have sped this movie up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's all desaturated, so we know it's a flashback. And here, here is your John Wick, they shot my dog scene. Except dumber. I look like this is just... <laughs> See, you get on John Wick. John Wick is smartly done, and even with that premise... It's fully believable that he would go on a crazy murder spree because they shot the damn dog that his dead wife sent him. <laughs> Is John Travolta creepily on a merry-go-round with his son? There's this weird like music box music playing over it, and we're in this like hazy carousel. carousel. Yes, it, it's just it's odd. <laughs> and then Nicolas Cage is. In his porn stash. In the porn stash, in a, like a pinstripe suit or something, aiming a sniper at John Travolta's character. And he aims at his back, but because Travolta's like squeezing his fucking son to death, <laughs> the bullet goes through his back and hits the son's head. And you just see like this blood splatter on the horse from the carousel. It's like supposed to be this really beautiful symbolic moment, I guess. But it was ridiculous. And the balloons. And the balloons lift up into the air. It's like every fucking cliche of a child dying is happening in this moment. The blood on the carousel. The balloons have been lifted up into the air and the kid is dead. So that's where the great rivalry begins, I guess. It's just so terrible. That's that's motivation though. That's you know is that's it? just good writing. Is it? <laughs> okay, so then it's then we jump to what, like six years later something or something. Like that, yeah. mm-hmm. And so this is Travolta is Sean Archer, super secret FBI agent. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of exposition delivered in dialogue that is very bad in sure. this movie. Mm-hmm. It's somebody actually says, We're such a super secret covert terrorism fighting organization. Like, okay, got it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this after the scene of panning down all the awards on Travolta's wall that he's won for being such a great crime fighter, which those two things would seem to be like, do they have super secret award ceremonies? How does that work? Mm-hmm. You're not you're not worried about these details apparently. No, this, no bigger... because nobody cared when they wrote that down. <laughs> I'm caring about it as much as they cared about it when they wrote this. Okay, so and then we're we're intercutting. That with scenes of Castor Troy, which is Nicolas Cage's mm-hmm. character. He and his brother, Pollux. Yeah. The 
parents were some. You see what they're doing there? <laughs> and they're they're playing what looks like a fucking ICBM in the middle of the LA Convention Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it seriously look it's like a missile silo. This bomb that they've put there. Yes. No explanation for how they got it in there, except for the fact that he's dressed as a priest. He's dressed as a priest, and there's a choir competition or something happening. Sure. Yep. The, okay, fine. We're gonna skip over that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even remember how this all comes together. It's all there was so much, and it's like the, we're in the first ten minutes of the movie, and there's a lot of shit going down. So yeah, he plants the bomb, uh, and then he. Dances wildly as the <laughs> choir is singing and then gropes one of the mm-hmm, choir girls mm-hmm. and sort of molests her there in yeah. front of hundreds of people who don't seem to know. This, for, for somebody who is a terrorist for hire, you would think that that would be a discreet job. <laughs> you wouldn't want to attract profile. a lot of attention to yourself. Yeah, no, You'd want to sort of lay low there. But no, he is just a whirling dervish of... <laughs> pervy energy um, <laughs> that nobody seems to <laughs> take Nobody's note of. Dope. Nobody seems to think um, that's strange. So, yeah, so he plants the bomb and then he goes to meet his crew on the tarmac. Um, and that's when we get the, like, slow-mo Nicolas Cage gets out the car and the trench coat is, like, flowing Billowing. There's a lot of billowing in this movie. It's a very wonderful moment. And they present him with, I guess, his, like, standard to-go box <laughs> full of drugs and cigarettes chicklets. and chiclets and... <laughs> and his- Two gold His guns. His golden guns. So, how again, how he is hard to find as a terrorist. Well, this is the funny part because the way they the FBI gets uh, alerted to mm-hmm. where they are is the other brother. Like paid. Paid cash to rent a plane, they said. Right. And somebody apparently spotted him doing that. Yeah. Nobody spotted Nicolas Cage dancing in no. the middle of the L.A. Convention Center dressed as a priest groping choir girl but like that should be a flag i don't imagine there are a lot of golden guns on the market so like look at people who have sold gold guns to people and that'll probably <laughs> lead you right to this person um but yeah he's he's flamboyant mm-hmm. and um he and his brother have an interesting relationship and so they get on the plane to escape uh, but the fbi has found him and they sort of Storm the tarmac, get our first sort of big set piece scene, which is a Jeep playing chicken with a fucking plane. (laughs) And we know this because his his partner there Mm -hmm. says, God damn it, don't play chicken with a goddamn jet! Which, so this is a middle-aged black gentleman. Yes, it is. Whose entire role, the whole film is like, this is crazy. You shouldn't do this. This is dumb. This is a bad idea. (laughs) I can't believe you're even doing this. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, then we get like five different action set pieces mm-hmm. all just smashed together here where we're driving the car at the plane and then the, oh, do you want to talk about the stewardess on the plane? Why? The stewardess that wasn't dressed as a stewardess. No. She had on like a business suit. Yeah. But. But then she turns out to be stewardess slash hooker because Castro Troy seems to understand that there are sexual favors worked into the contract here. Sure. Delightful. Uh, uh, but then she turns out to be stewardess slash hooker slash the worst FBI agent in the world. Yeah. She she was undercover. Except that she wasn't because she was dressed like an FBI agent. <laughs> that was clearly not a woman that was a stewardess or there to offer sexual favor. She had like a turtleneck and a suit. I don't... So, yeah, she was an FBI agent who was not very good at her job and died a tragic death. She was... 
terrible at her job. Yeah. Uh, Question here. Mm -hmm. So they found out where Castor and Pollux were because of this, you know, cash transaction that that Pollux stupidly did. Right. Uh, they, They had an FBI agent, so already undercover with them. Yeah, they did. How is it they did not know? I do not know. Exactly where they were to start with. I have no, maybe she came later. I don't know. Like after they had found them, they were like, okay, put somebody on the plane. I I have no idea. We don't ask. Like this is obviously not a film to ask questions about. (laughs) But I have a lot of questions. Yeah, but they're not going to have answers. So. (laughs) I would like you to answer them. I don't want to answer because again, I'm giving it more thought than the people who made it. Okay, so then we crash the plane into the hangar, and then we have a, a shootout. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is some sort of blasphemy, what I'm about to say. Okay. Knowing John Woo's reputation. I actually don't think the action sequences slash shootouts in this movie are particularly well-staged. Mm, I mean, what, what are we talking about well-staged? How There's a lot of it. There's um, a lot of it, and there's some... You know, arguably good stunts and good. Somebody gets bits. their ear shot off. Sure, I did. I did appreciate the guy getting his ear shot off. Mm-hmm. I think. I guess I'm talking about like basic storytelling, basic. Where is everybody mm. who's shooting at who? Mm-hmm. Like basic cinematic rules of storytelling <laughs> are just not in effect here. I mean, you do have a lot of just anonymous people being shot, and then they're just like blown ten feet across. The scene so i i guess i can see that yeah but there's a lot of you know the double gun thing and so i i don't know if people enjoy it sure <laughs> so here we have our first face-to-face confrontation mm-hmm. of our hero and villain <laughs> well you better hit me sean because you only got one bullet left so do you wow you've got something in common we both know our guns. What we don't have in common is that I don't care if I live, and you do. Sean, that hurts. You're not having any fun, are you, Sean? Why don't you come with us? Try terrorism for hire. We'll blow some shit up. It's more fun. A lot of, a lot of standoffs in this movie. I yes. think that's another woo trademark of the we're all going to stand here and just point our guns at each other point blank. Right, when we could just shoot each other, yeah. <laughs> well, no, that would... That would ruin the movie. Well, it would end it, which is what I was looking for. It's like, you could just shoot this person and we could end this movie. I know. He's, he's going to get blasted with the jet engine that has very mm-hmm. conveniently been turned on. Yeah. Okay, so that's it. He's in custody. Movie over. No. Because there's still a bomb that we don't know where it is. Oh, shit. I forgot about the bomb. Wait, that I was planted like 18 days before it was supposed <laughs> to go off. So I was like, what the fuck? Oh, shit. Well, they knew they were going to need some time for to, to do all nobody, of this. Nobody plants a bomb that early. <laughs> really looking forward to this bomb going off. <laughs> In eight Next <laughs> April. <laughs> what is this? <sighs> yeah, so apparently the only way we can find the bomb is to get it out of Pollux. But apparently Pollux is just such a fucking criminal genius that he would never talk to anyone but his brother. So the only way... There is no other way to do this. No other way to find this damn bomb. We're not going to waterboard the guy, obviously. Well, no, but we did put him in fucking the worst prison ever. (laughs) But we can't, you know, threaten to kill him if he doesn't tell us where it is. Okay. Uh, Is to have 
Archer swap faces with Caster. I mean, that would have been the first idea I came up with. And too. it did not take long for him to be like, okay, yeah, let's do that. Like, <laughs> oh, God. What are you asking me to do? Okay, let's see. You're asking me to break the law, risk my neck, and you're asking me to put in the dark all the people that love me and trust me. I'll do it. So many other options. There has, like, how well, we did, this? after they proposed that, then we got a brief montage of him interrogating various people involved in the plan. So there's still and more. And none of them are talking. There's still more <laughs> that could have been done. So he's exhausted all conventional resources. Again, you have the brother in prison and start taking off some fucking fingers <laughs> until he tells you where the bomb is. I, I just feel like it, this was just, we, we got here too fast. Or even just make a deal? We just got here I mean, as far as anybody knows, Castor is dead. Who are they being loyal to? You're all in prison. Caster Troy is dead. Mm-hmm. You, you probably would just rat him out and, you know, maybe get some time off your sentence or something. But no, the the face transplant the only plan, way. which is a thing we can do. Nope. Sure it is. <laughs> science. Not, no. No. Yeah, you have issues with the science? So many. Because here's the thing. Didn't we see an episode of Botched, which, as you know, is one of my favorite I do know that, TV yes. shows, where I think a girl got her face, like, bitten by a dog or something, and so they had to transplant skin from somewhere else on her body onto her face, and they chose the skin near her groin, so she was growing pubic hair on her <laughs> face. So I'm saying... <laughs> She had like a patch of pubic hair on her cheek because sadly, I do remember that, that. was the only skin <laughs> that they could put there. So I don't think we're there yet because I would have hoped that that young lady would have gotten better treatment than fucking pube skin transplanted onto her face. So no, I don't think the science is there. If it is, it is being inequitably uh, applied. Well, this was twenty-five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> She had a patch of pubes on her face. So I don't think we're there. So interestingly, mm-hmm. the original screenplay took place in the future. It was like 100 years in the future. Okay. Which, to me... That explains the prison. W- right. The prison, the face transplant surgery, all of that becomes much easier to swallow <laughs> if we're 100 Barely, years in okay. the future. <laughs> yeah. uh, John Woo didn't want didn't, to... John Woo doesn't like sci-fi. He says you feel you lose the emotional impact with sci-fi. Was there an emotional so impact he, here? He insisted that he would, if he was going to make this, he wanted to make it, you know, contemporary, Mm-mm. which was a choice, I think. Yeah. So they swap faces. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty seamless surgery. Uh, <laughs> it, apparently, it's very simple. Super simple to do, and so no healing, no scenes. no recovery period. There were no, no scenes. scarring. They're doing the facial surgery at the same time they are giving him a haircut. Well, because his hairline didn't match up. No, I under- I understand. That. But no, that's unsanitary. I would they're performing the procedures simultaneously. Yeah, that, that, that's probably not good. <laughs> I mean, and if you have that level of, just get a wig or something. I mean, I don't understand. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Okay, but yeah, so he's he's now woken up and he has... Nicholas Cage's face. Mm-hmm. He has a little bit of a freak out moment. <laughs> he does, because, you know, well, he's looking in the mirror and he's seeing mm-hmm. the face of the man who killed his 
son on a carousel. Yeah. Which would be traumatic. Right. I guess. Except he agreed to it and chose to do this. Uh, uh, well, they don't swap faces at this point. They well, no, they, there's yes. no reason to do that because right. Castro Troy is practically dead. He's in a coma. He's brain dead. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. so they just take give his face to Archer mm-hmm. and put Archer's face in a fish tank or something. Right, and then send him to some horrifying dystopian prison. <laughs> some horrifying super secret super maximum max security prison. Where the Geneva Conventions that, aren't real. <laughs> that turns out nonetheless to be actually kind of easy to break super out of. Super easy to break out of. <laughs> if, once you get the boots off, apparently the boots are all that's keeping that shit together. These fucking magnetic boots. Because once the boots are off, you can just walk up out of that joint. So, yes, I mean, and it doesn't take long for Pollux to tell him where the bomb is. <laughs> no, like, first conversation. He's like, oh, yeah, it's in the, the convention center where we put it. Oh, <laughs> thanks. All right, so that's done. <laughs> for some reason, doesn't immediately get the fuck out of prison. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the plan was there. Was he supposed to call somebody when he got the information? I think somebody was supposed to get him in, like, two days, but he got the information in, like, two hours. So, I was like, he should have had, like, a beeper okay. or something on him and be like... Well, I mean, it still shouldn't be a problem as long as nothing else goes wrong during those two days. Well, of course something's going to go wrong. <laughs> because apparently cutting off someone's face awakens them from a coma. I, I mean, has it been tried? I don't know. Maybe it does. I think, I mean, I think they try to, like, stab people that are, like, I think that that's been done before. <laughs> but have just, they tried like, to cut off their faces? They, I don't think anyone's tried to cut off someone's okay, face. Okay, if I but... ever end up in a coma and they tell you, the doctors tell you there's no hope he's never going to wake up. Cut off his face? You should say cut off his face. Okay. Let's see if that works. All right. We'll do. And even if it doesn't work, you can, like, keep it and frame it on the wall or no, something. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Wear it for Halloween. I don't care. So, anyway. Caster <laughs> uh, wakes up. Caster wakes up. Coma. He was never supposed to wake up. And fortunately, he's now just alone in this place. No guards. No restraints. No one no is monitoring, monitoring his vitals to see that he has woken up. Right. His... Medical equipment is not hooked up to any kind of alert system no. that would tell the FBI he's just woken up. They they basically left him there. Mm-hmm. Here's my problem with the movie. Just the one? Yes. With the with the with the realism of the movie. Okay. This is the only issue I have. He smokes a cigarette with no lips. Sure. I mean if you wake up out of a coma uh-huh. without a face. Right. You probably want a cigarette. I'm sure I would. My point is I don't think it's physically possible to smoke a cigarette without lips. There's a whole suction thing that has to happen. Mm. You, or you like, mm. you crunch it. You like, it's it's not possible. Okay, I haven't. Everything else in the movie, I'm perfectly on board with, but that was a the smoking with no my lips. suspension of disbelief broke right there at the smoking without lips. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Yours broke somewhere else weird, and we'll get to that later. I don't even remember now. Okay, I do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they find the genius doctor that did the transplant and basically... Which, uh, all of this is super convenient, too. So he, Caster calls one of his cronies. Right. Who then goes and rounds up all of the people who know... Yes. ...that this face switch thing has happened. Mm-hmm. And first he gets the surgeons to, rever- to reverse the procedure to yeah. make him into John Travolta. Yes. And then, and then he... He douses them all in gasoline and sets them all on fire. Right. Uh, interesting that these were the only black characters in the movie. Did you, did you notice this? We got CCH Pounder and this other guy, and they're yeah, they're all gone now. Yeah, they're all gone now. Yeah, because that's how that works. So uh, he, here's the brilliant premise for the movie right here: is now these guys are in their each other's faces. Uh-huh. 
So let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Who wore it better? Neither. <laughs> neither of those was a step up. What is? One of them has to be. No, I'm saying neither <laughs> of them, in my opinion, was a step up. How is that possible? Because I don't find either of these gentlemen <laughs> remotely attractive at all. Okay, who made the better version of each character? I mean, I guess Travolta playing Cage playing Travolta <laughs> was the better ish. But only because I thought he was a better dad. You thought bad, bad dad was a better dad yeah. than good dad? Yeah. Okay. We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> Actually, actually, I guess that's where we are, is he, he's going home and, and meeting the family. Is that where we are? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So, yeah, he goes home um, and is clearly not <laughs> the same person. Whole personality <laughs> transplant here. And everybody just sort of rolls with it. So I mean, they, they think he's in a good mood, because, you know, he finally... Right, this is someone who's been in a terrible mood since the murder of his son. Right, but he's over it now. And, you know, hadn't touched his wife and hadn't done anything, and now all of a sudden he's like boning her in the backyard or whatever so he's home and i don't even know how to talk about this he walks in on his daughter who's on the phone in her underwear yeah because that's something that we do and creepily sort of goes in as if he's gonna do something sexual with her but is actually just grabbing the cigarettes and then sort of just you're not respecting my boundaries i'm coming in jane Jamie. I don't think you heard me, Jamie. You've got something that I crave. Papa's got a brand new bag. Clarissa left those here. I won't tell Mom if you don't. When did you start smoking? You'll be seeing a lot of changes around here. Papa's got a brand new bag. Oh! It's the fact that she doesn't say, hmm. <laughs> Dad's being a little... That's odd. A little creepy. My mm -hmm. dad just gave me a very creepy, pervy yeah. vibe. I think it's prob a, a, a problem. Um, but he teaches her to shiv someone, so that's good. <laughs> that actress, by the way, was Dominique Swain. This was the same year that she was in the Lolita remake. So she... she had a lot of creep to put Found up with that niche. year. Okay, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. But you just said he was a better dad. Because he taught her how to... He beat the shit out of this dude that she was dating. <laughs> out of the, that 70s show dude, who I think actually is... is yeah, no, yeah. legitimately okay. in right. real life, I believe, is uh, allegedly, I guess we should say, a sexual predator. But yes, yeah, so he was going to date rape her and uh, John Travolta as Nicolas Cage, as John Travolta kicks in the door window and beats the shit out of him, which is, I mean, that was pretty good. And then what wasn't good was that he was like, well, if you dress like a whore, you're going to attract whore people. So, like, that wasn't cool. If you dress like it's Halloween, ghouls are yes, going to try ghouls. to get in your pants, yes. he says. because, sure. Um, <laughs> but he does give her uh, a knife. Uh, yes, he gives her a nice little butterfly knife. Yes, and tells her how to basically, like, open a fucking femoral <laughs> artery, which is... Pretty sweet. You think that's good parenting? I think that, I mean, you know. Okay. When the shit goes down, you need to know how to stab somebody. <laughs> All right. So, meanwhile, Nicolas Cage, as John Travolta, as Nicolas Cage, mm -hmm. is stuck in prison. Yeah. 
He's got to get out. Yes. From the magnet prison. Mm -hmm. So, conveniently, the only time to take the magnet boots off (laughs) is when um, (laughs) you go to, like, the infirmary or whatever. You can't get electric shock. I don't even think it's treatment. I think it's just punishment. Yeah, I think it's just treatment. I mean, uh, yes, punishment. Uh, So, they... He starts a fight with one of the guards over a cigarette, takes a cigarette, and they take his boots off, strap him in, but he's like, oh, can I get a light for my cigarette? Which, why? Why the fuck would you light this guy's cigarette right before giving him electric shock? More questions we don't we don't ask. <laughs> no, I asked the question, though. So he uses a lit cigarette to burn the guard who, that basically, like, kills him or something. Like, he's just totally out of fucking commission after that. <laughs> And breaks out of the chair. <laughs> and there's another and got guy. The boot, they took the boots off. Right, they that had taken the boots off, so he's totally free. And yeah. there was another guy in there who had just gotten out of the electric shock chair, um, covered in his own fucking vomit. <laughs> but immediately gets up and starts kicking ass and is totally fine. Um, and they sort of mow through all of these guards, make their way up to like the central station and turn off monitors i don't know what they which do somehow explodes things it's just it's all very <laughs> ambiguous and that guy the other inmate mm-hmm. who has now become his partner in escape mm-hmm. kills about 14 a guards of a lot of people on their way out yeah which john travolta doesn't seem to have any problem well, with. they were bad guards though well. <laughs> they were abusive assholes so you know, John Travolta was a good cop, so he probably doesn't feel I bad see. that these bad cops were dying. Blue lives matter exactly. until we need until, to get out of prison. Well, and, uh, no, you know, until they Until some guy is fucking my wife with my abusing. face. Exactly. So he escapes, goes up some stairs, finds himself on the roof, <laughs> which is actually a helipad because it's an island prison. It's like an oil rig yeah. out in the middle of the water. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? Jumps in the water. Jumps in the water. This was the moment I referred to earlier when, after everything else in the movie you were apparently okay with, <laughs> I wasn't he okay. turns up on the mainland and you're like, how? Because how? the island prison <laughs> is fucking Alcatraz. It's like 50 miles offshore. People escape from Alcatraz. There's a whole movie called Escape from Alcatraz. I, how do you swim <laughs> that far? No, you do not. He he jumps in the water. There's like a helicopter <laughs> shooting at him. The guards, the alarms are going off. Everybody knows he's escaped. He jumps in the water. It's it's a long ways off to shore. Yes. How he gets there without somebody spotting him. Without dying. They would have been looking for him, thinking, hey, maybe we should. You do not swim that without getting very <laughs> tired and drowning. It's not fucking possible. So, okay, so everything else in the movie you were fine with. No, I'm not fine with any of it. But that was particularly insulting because the only reason you put a prison out there is because you don't think people can get to the fucking shore. Again, the prison turned to be turned out to be really easy to, to get out of. I understand. Okay, so uh, what, where are we now? So he, he goes and hooks up with the old gang with... The bad guys. Mm-hmm. He's in the bad guys' lair now, right? Sure. Uh, with Gina Gershon mm-hmm. and all those other people, none of whom know what's going on. With the face swap? No, they don't know. Right. Even though at this point, the brother is out of prison, right? Yes. Because he's there somehow. Yes. So you'd think he might have given him a heads up or something. Well, no, he's not going to. That's, you know, they're not going to tell that. <laughs> 
Why would you do that? He's actually watching from a roof when this is going down. He could have just picked up the phone and been Hela is bollocks, uh, just FYI. Mm. That, that guy that's there is not really, really the dude. Well, he wasn't all there himself, so. <laughs> and we have another shootout in here somewhere. Yeah, so Pollux calls Travolta as Cage as Travolta. Is that right? <laughs> sure. Uh, and says, you know, Cage as Travolta as Cage <laughs> is at your old hideout fucking your girl. Like, you need to just come, like, come and get him. So Travolta as Cage as Travolta calls the FBI and is like, okay, we're, you know, casters at the hideout. We're going to, you know, bust it up or whatever. And so they just completely demolish uh this fucking drug den or whatever the hell it is and coming in through the roof and through the windows and shooting very uh, i mean that that part was realistic aggressively nope and uh <laughs> you know we learned that fbi raids are sort of notorious for being a little caster a little reckless and gina gershon have a son that apparently she yes. never told him about i guess it's unclear mm-hmm. um and because the fuck is his name Archer is still hurt from the death of his own son. He meets Caster's son and has like a moment. Unfortunately, has the exact same haircut. Calling him Michael and again squeezing him to fucking death, which is how your first kid died. And is and okay. Let's talk about let's talk about this right here because you've used the word creepy a couple of times. Yes, there is a gesture creepy as shit that travolta it's this is the good travolta Mm -hmm. does with people he loves the whole family does it apparently where he like drags his hand down their face which is very odd and it's creepy as shit yeah what is that their gesture of love apparently (laughs) and it's how they know that each other here come here come here a second no come here let me let me just (laughs) why would you do that it's weird it's very weird so yeah um the fbi break in and then they put headphones on the little boy and blast somewhere over the rainbow <laughs> into his ears so he doesn't hear the gunfire, which I'm pretty sure he still does. And he is seeing people die. So it's also that's probably just a situation where like you want a fucked up be association with on. that song. Um, you think they ruined that one for him? I mean, I would imagine that kid's going to grow up fucked up. Yeah, um, well, there's, there's no way to avoid that at this point. So Somewhere Over the Rainbow is playing while we watch this just grotesque shootout between the FBI and Caster's, you know, evil henchmen, sure. Uh, In this big sort of palatial Mm -hmm. estate, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, uh, full of mirrors. A lot of mirrors. The mirror motif, I don't know if you picked up on it. It's pretty subtle. Mm. But, you know, in a movie about identity, there's a whole mirror thing going on that is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that does lead to a scene, hokey as it is, I like, where Cage as Travolta as Cage and Travolta <laughs> as Cage as Travolta are on opposite sides of a two-sided mirror mm-hmm. pointing their guns at each other. I don't know what I hate wearing worse. Your face or your body? I mean, I enjoy boning your wife, but uh, let's face it, we both like it better the other way, yes? So why don't we just trade back? You can't give back what you've taken from me. 
Oh well, plan B. Let's just kill each other. So what they're seeing is their own reflection, which is really the face of the guy that they want to shoot. So they're actually seeing the person they want to kill. Yeah, nope, got but it. it's their own. Fa- you get it? Because yeah. it's super deep. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> As dumb as it is, it's actually kind of clever. Is it, though? And then they just miss each other when they shoot anyway, because yeah. everybody misses everything in this movie. Okay, so where are we now? Have we, t- we haven't talked about his wife at all. Do you want to talk about the wife? There's nothing really to talk about. Joan Allen doesn't the, get a whole lot The female lot characters in this movie are all kind of... Yeah. Gina Gershon's a very complicated... Yeah. <laughs> I want better for her. <laughs> Unfortunately, she dies. Yeah, I mean, Joan Allen is pretty oblivious to the fact that she's obviously not been with her husband for a week like that man is not your husband but apparently as like a fucking james bond penned in her (laughs) just everyday possession because (laughs) well she's a doctor it was a pen like that is a secret needle like that's like doctors shouldn't have like secret needles that's a needle of a fucking super spy not just a doctor it wasn't a standard syringe It was, oh, you think this is a writing pen? No, it's to stab you and collect this, blood. Okay, so this is after now Cage, as Travolta as Cage, mm-hmm. has has revealed himself to the wife. Right. And said, hey, it's... It's me. I know I look like the guy that murdered your son. And I sound son, like the guy, who murdered, like the guy who murdered your son. And you have absolutely no reason to think I'm not the guy that murdered your son, but... Mm-hmm. It's it, it's me. So what you need to do is remember that I'm O negative blood type, and he's A B whatever the hell. So just test his blood, and you'll see that that's not me. So she takes her super. Alternately, he he could have actually given her a blood sample, his blood sample, because he right? was bleeding because he over was the place. bleeding all over. He the was, room. yeah. But no, she has to use her secret spy mm-hmm. blood sample pen. Yeah. You're saying you don't think this is a thing doctors have to just... I don't... I mean, if you do... Like, that's a shady-ass doctor. Like, why do you need a... <laughs> Did you just stab Or like, secretly you, what, what stab and collect just... blood? Oh, no, I didn't, that's no, I didn't do anything. That's a weird thing to have, so... <laughs> so, yeah, she she tests the blood. And, mm-hmm. and it's A, B, whatever. Yeah. So she realizes that that's not her husband. And conveniently, Cage as Travolta as Cage is at the lab while she's testing the blood, like, hiding in the corner. <laughs> I hoped you would come here. It's so fucking odd. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I don't really know who to trust anymore. And then he tells a long ass story, I guess, about their first <laughs> about date. Their first date. Where she chipped a tooth. And it's like, oh, this must be my husband. And then I think he does the face rub thing. And all is like forgiven, I guess. It's it's, <laughs> it's not good. I'm, I'm just checking my notes here. We're, we're actually barreling through this movie pretty good. Because there's... Because if you take out all the slow-mo, there's really not that much that happens. Uh, uh, We get the murder of the FBI director in here somewhere. Mm -hmm. That old dude from Fargo. Um, All right, and then the next thing I have in my notes is doves, so we must be just about at the funeral scene. Yes, so uh, Travolta as Cage as Travolta murders (laughs) the FBI director, basically, so he can... Like, his whole thing is like, oh, I'm going to rise to... Prominence in the FBI. And yes, his new gets... evil plan is he's like, I can take over the FBI and then I'll have all of the resources of law enforcement to do my bidding worldwide. I really don't know how that's going to work out, but okay. <laughs> you think somebody might notice eventually I just, that... It just seems 
complicated. It was just like, I imagine there's a fair amount of bureaucracy that goes into that, that you, like, I, whatever. Um, like, you don't even really want that job. You don't want that job. Uh, so, yeah, so he dies, and so there's a funeral, and we're at the I funeral. have a question. Yeah. This is, if I understood correctly, that was the director of the FBI. Sure, something like that. The yeah. entire FBI. Yeah. Why is his funeral being held with about 20 people in a little beach house in L.A.? I have no idea. Why are you asking? I have no idea. I feel like if the FBI director died, that would be, you know, first of all, the funeral would probably be in Washington, D.C. Second of all, there'd probably be more people there. It'd be a more formal occasion. This is like a little funeral home on the beach in Los Angeles. Maybe those are his wishes. With a lot lot of doves. A lot of doves. It's a Guns N' Roses music video, and I don't know why. It's like lots of flowing curtains <laughs> and doves and candles. Yeah, I don't know. So Cage as Travolta as Cage gets to the church and has like a moment of prayer where he lights a candle and takes like the picture of his son and lays it on the altar and has a little moment. Yeah. Which seems like bad time. Like you don't you have shit you have. There are a lot of very questionable decisions Came he makes here. To here. Do. So the funeral goes on and ends and then... There's a shootout in the church. Okay, but but after he has, like, the little moment with his... He lights a candle for his son, mm-hmm. and he has the picture of his son. He has the picture of his son delivered to Travolta mm-hmm. at the funeral mm-hmm. to let him let know, him know yep. that he's coming. What's the logic there? Is there any logic anywhere? I guess I would like a little. Nope. I guess I would like a modicum. Nope. A soup soul. No. Of logic would be good. There are like 50 doves inside this church. <laughs> this is apparently another John Woo trademark. I'm not familiar enough with the oeuvre, but the, the doves, the slow motion doves thing. Maybe you saw Blade Runner too many times. Oh, God. <laughs> so they shoot the shit out of the church, and then everybody is all of a sudden at the church. <laughs> it's like 20 people all standing there. Pointing guns at each other. His daughter, his wife, Gina Gershon, some of his henchmen dudes, <laughs> like everybody. And then every it's just like a circle jerk of guns. Like everybody's pointing guns at everybody. Gina Gershon shows up, but she doesn't know about the face switch. So right. she's actually pointing her gun at the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. My favorite part of that is, God bless Joan Allen. She's standing there in the middle of that, all those guns, looking bored. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Looking like... I'm not sure how I ended up in this movie. I'm an Academy Award-nominated actress. Not really sure what I'm doing in this movie. I'm just going to stand here perfectly placid while 40 people are pointing guns around me at each other. Okay, so this must be the big climax, right, in the funeral home. No, we are not done. (laughs) It has to be. It feels like that's the end of the movie right there. It has to be. Except that it's not. Uh, Okay, so the... The daughter shows up, mm-hmm. or they went and got the daughter, because that's yeah. what Travolta, having warned them he was coming, gave them time to go take kidnap his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the daughter shows up, yeah, oh my god, I don't know who you believe, what's, I don't know what's happening. She shoots Cage as Travolta as Cage. Yes. Because she thinks he's the bad guy. Right. Travolta as Cage as Travolta, then grabs her and stupidly doesn't act like her father no, at all. he lets it slip at that point. <laughs> He licks her face. Yeah. Calls her peaches, I believe. <laughs> and that's when she stabs him in the thigh. Stabs him with Chekhov's butterfly knife. Yes. 
Okay, so that's the end. Nope. Of the movie. Nope. Well, it has to be. No, because you know we haven't had boats. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't had a boat chase yet. You can't not have a boat chase. You're right. I I hadn't thought of that. But I think what we really need here is a high-speed boat chase. Mm -hmm. That scene... Ridiculous to call something ridiculous, but that boat chase just gets more and more ridiculous with every step. Well, and they get sloppy with the stunt doubles because it's <laughs> oh, very clearly sloppy. not Travolta and Cage on that Uh-oh. boat. It's like, who the fuck is that? The guy at one point, I think it's supposed to be Cage as Travolta as Cage, hanging off the boat, fucking water skiing alongside yeah. the boat. Yeah. In just his shoes. Yeah. Just regular shoes, but he's like managing to, you know, water ski alongside the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I that stunt double was so bad. It looked more like Travolta than it looked like well, Cage. Because the hair was totally it was... like it was just like that's not the same. Okay. So it was yeah, it was bad. Just bad. <laughs> and then there's at one point it's an anchor fight. Travolta yep. picks up the anchor and mm-hmm. is fighting with the anchor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the harpoon gun, mm-hmm. which doesn't go off. I was surprised it didn't go off there. But apparently, you know, that's the end of the harpoon gun. Um, and then they jump the boat through another burning boat. Yep. And come down. It's, it's a lot of stuff happening there. Mm-hmm. None of it very... Uh, I guess there's no point in talking about plausibility here. No, we're, we passed um, that. That ship has sailed. <laughs> then we crash the boats, mm-hmm. and Travolta and Cage fight. are fighting. Fight, 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 fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, shockingly, the harpoon gun turns up again. Yes. I thought we'd missed our chance with the harpoon no, gun. But, of course not. And uh, Travolta gets harpooned. Right, but he's... Like, you're not going to get your face back, so he tries to slice oh, yeah. his own face off or up. Yeah, he's, he tries to fuck up his own, tra- fuck up tra- Travolta's face. Right. So that he can't his, his own face. take his face back. Even though we, we pretty much know that the technology is, scarring thing is not a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yes, he gets, he gets nailed to the wall with a harpoon mm-hmm. and dies. Is that when he actually dies? I believe he dies. As okay. far as we know, he dies. And then we're at a, that's it. We're at the end of the movie. Everything's fine. Just got to switch the faces back. Another doctor who can do (laughs) face transplant surgery. They made it seem like it was this cutting edge. I skipped over this. This is very important. I think it's during the big gunfight at the funeral home, right? Joan Allen gets a moment to herself to pick up the phone Mm -hmm. and calls, I think she calls Margaret Cho, right? I don't know. She calls one of the FBI <laughs> agents and says, this is Sean Archer's wife. I have something crazy to tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why, after the fight at the on at the end of the movie, you know, all the FBI shows up and takes them off and performs the surgery with the magical second doctor who knows how to do this. Right. Question. If it was that easy to just call them up and say, hey, I know this sounds crazy, but just listen to me. This is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Why didn't anybody do that an hour earlier in the movie? Well, he couldn't do it because he sounded like, what's his name? And so probably would not have been believed, I guess. I, I mean, I feel I like no it idea. would have at least... I have no idea. Could have run it up the flagpole. Apparently you it wasn't going to work. Somebody would have... His own wife didn't believe him until she got a blood test. Okay, but after she got the blood test, maybe that was the moment <laughs> to call the FBI and say, hey, I know this sounds crazy. 
but my husband and this guy switched faces. I just feel like there was an earlier point in this process Mm -hmm. when that could have happened. No. Like, back in prison. Really, anywhere in this process, that could have happened. Well, he did try to say that in prison. He tried to tell the guard, I'm well, Sean Archer. Well, the abusive guard, that, that was stupid. Yeah. There was, there was a bomb, and I'm Sean Archer, and he didn't believe him. No, See? That's more a, can I have a phone call? See? You know, moment. Okay, so now we're at, we're at the uh, happy ending of the movie. He's got his Travolta. Now it's Travolta as Travolta. He's got his face back. Kate. So he dead. comes home. What, wouldn't they be at the hospital? <laughs> no, they're just waiting for him to out get out of a very serious surgery. They and he's just back. Okay. Yeah. So he's back, and we're back in this like hazy dream shooting. Yes. Like this very. And he's, you know, touching their faces yes, creepily. very odd. And he's like, oh, and by the way, here's a kid <laughs> to replace our dead son. <laughs> and everybody's just like, okay. Instantly, everybody accepts. Oh, good. You, we lost that one kid, but you found us another kid who just happens to be the demon spawn yeah. of Caster Troy and Gina Gershon. So... You're not going to be giving that kid the side eye during his terrible teen years, mm-hmm. are you? Like, mm-hmm. it's, this is the nature versus nurture question is is important here, I think. It's terrible. And everything's better. We're, he, he's not grieving anymore because now we have a new replacement kid. You could have just had a guy. fucking kid <laughs> or adopted a kid. If that was all it took was you just needed a different boy, okay, go get yourself a white baby boy. Like, just, just go get another kid. And that was... Face off. So you you enjoyed it? No, I did not <laughs> at all enjoy it. You said it was a good bad movie. I mean, sure, it it was like it went for it. I mean, there are good bad movies and there are bad bad. Movies. Right. I think this is a good bad movie. Okay. Everybody committed. <laughs> that commitment was not the problem. So to a certain extent, you have to respect that a little bit of like, well, you you did it. <laughs> yeah, but no, I did not enjoy this at all. I actually did not enjoy this as much as I was hoping to enjoy it. Like I said, I remembered seeing it back then, and I wasn't crazy about it back then. Mm-hmm. And I thought, again, I thought maybe I just wasn't quite in the mood for it at the time. I went into this with a very open mind, mm. and I do not think it's a great movie. Uh, and I was trying to think, what is... And it's, it's I grant you it's a fine line, but the difference between this and Con Air. Oh, God. And I feel like Con Air knows how stupid it is and doesn't take it very seriously. I feel like this one almost takes it seriously. Takes it a little too seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, I think maybe John Woo actually did think there was genuine emotional content in this movie. <laughs> and I think that's the difference. Okay. And that's like what I said where I didn't feel like they had as much fun with this as they could have had with this premise. It's just a, they play it a little too straight, actually. Okay. I mean, that's... It could have been goofier. I I mean, yeah, I guess it could have been goofier. <laughs> it was pretty damn goofy, though. Um, like, shouldn't this be a funnier movie? Mm, I mean, if you're entertained by this sort of stuff, I guess it would have been funny, perhaps. <laughs> There's probably a good drinking game or something in this movie. Oh, I'm sure you there could, you, you could, could play a lot of yeah. drinking games, yeah. Um, you know, every time a dove shows up or somebody <laughs> slow-mo, you'd be fucking dead by the end of the movie. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, I, yeah. I feel like, though, that Cage and Travolta were having a good time and maybe not taking themselves super seriously. 
but I don't know. Yeah, I don't I just, I wanted it to be more fun mm-hmm. than it turned out to be. Oh, I said I'd go back to that review by Barbara Schulgasser in the San Francisco Examiner. Uh, she said, and I sort of agree with this, she said, Wu is clearly an imaginative man, and there is no doubt that he can concoct six ways to do any given piece of business. Six ways to damage a speedboat. Six ways to wreck an airplane. Six ways to make surgery look disgusting. Six ways to stage a prison rumble. Six ways to mount a police raid. A good director would choose the best of the six ways and put it in his movie. Wu puts all six in. If you keep your eyes closed during a Wu movie and open them every six minutes, you'll see everything you need to know to have a perfectly lovely evening at the cinema. Ah, but what happens when you sit there with your eyes open through the whole thing? A form of severe brain damage sets in that causes one to helplessly apply analytical thinking to idiotic movies. I I sort of agree with that criticism. Yeah, that's fair. That's kind of what I was saying about that boat chase. It's like, should we do an anchor fight or a harpoon gun fight? We should do an we anchor do fight both. and a harpoon Why gun fight. Why not both? Uh, did you have a favorite part? No. I mean, you must have had a favorite part. Did I have a favorite? What could possibly be? He kicked the, the rapey dude's ass. That was my favorite part <laughs> of the entire film. Okay. Uh, who gets, if, if it's a two-man race to the Oscars that year, who oh, gets no, the Oscar? No, no, no. Cage or Travolta. No one. You have to cast a vote. Because nobody was acting. Everybody was just fucking losing their mind. Uh, I guess Travolta, possibly. Oh, see, I disagree. I think, I think it's Cage. I, th- I think Cage is a better actor in general than Travolta is. Again, I don't enjoy either of these people. <laughs> um, but yeah, sure. I, w- I guess I would say that Cage is, well, he's the more interesting actor. I don't know. He's a better actor. Mm-hmm. Um so much of it is like I feel like you're just we're just rewarding Cage for his cageness. He, it's just because he's he has an energy, and like is that a talent? I don't know. It's a gift, certainly. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of actors that that's really what we're responding to. I'd have to give that some thought. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are people that are just sort of. I mean, Nicholson has an energy that is just well, Nicholson. I mean, yes. He's, you know, I'm not saying Nicholson is not a better actor than Cage is, but... That's true. Christopher Walken has a very Christopher Walken (laughs) energy that is just a weirdness. So maybe is that just a character actor thing? Is that when you become a character actor, is if you just have a a thing? Well, I I think it's a weird thing when the character actor crosses over into being a star, which is what I think all three of those guys, I would Mm -hmm. say, are... they, They probably naturally should have been character actors, and they became leading man and that's is it just a male thing though because i don't know that i would say that about margot martindale for instance character actress margot martindale does margot martindale have a margot martindaleness well no she's just a genuine character actress right so is it just a dude thing well now i have to think if there's an equivalent (laughs) is it just uh who has who's an actress that has a sort of weird energy i'm sure i will think of examples after we get off the air see i'm having a hard time and maybe it's because women aren't allowed to have, like, female actresses aren't, aren't allowed to have a weird thing or, like, a weird energy. But no, I mean, I think I think generally you're right. I think you are not allowed to be Nicolas Cage weird if you're an actress. I mm-hmm. think that's a harder career path <laughs> to stardom. I, I, I will try to think of if there are some examples, but I can't think of any right now. Okay. All right. Anything else to say about Face Off? No. Glad you watched it? No. <laughs> Would recommend it? No. Planning to watch it again. No. Excellent. (laughs) 
I respect it. I respect the the sort of genre aesthetics. It obviously influenced a lot of films, John Woo. Um, but it's yeah, no, I no. Just no. Just no. It was asking a lot. Once you put Cage and Travolta in the same movie on top of just the ridiculous premise, you're asking way too much of me. That's our show. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode of The Unenthusiastic Critic. Nakia, we're still on a bi-weekly schedule, so our next episode will fall right around Valentine's Day. Mm. So obviously we had to pick something romantic. Not obviously, but okay. And we also like to mix it up around here, so I tried to think of something that was just about the opposite of face-off in every conceivable way. Okay. To me, that suggested something British... Something literary, something genteel, without a single explosion, and where almost nobody gets whacked in the head with an anchor or shot with a harpoon gun. You know I don't enjoy petticoat movies. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to be watching the quintessential Merchant Ivory production, A Room with a View, from 1985. I don't even know what that is. What is that? (laughs) This is a very young Helena Bonham Carter in a love triangle with... Julian Sands and Daniel Day-Lewis in Florence, Italy at the turn of the century. Oh my god, alright. <laughs> just... I think I watched this movie with just about every single one of my college girlfriends. And let me Ew. tell you, it was a real panty dropper. Was this like your mood? That's disgusting. <laughs> oh my god. I actually genuinely like this movie, but it's it's not really your lane, so I'm not really sure how this is gonna go. I'm not I, now. I definitely don't want to do it now that I found out it's like you're Barack Obama and his like <laughs> what did he read like Mar- Marx or something like because it's for the ladies. Uh, I don't. I'm not interested in this. It's it's never failed for me before. Well, you realize this is the exact opposite movie to drop my panties. Like this will <laughs> just dry it up. This is not my scene, man. All right. Sure. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> Room with a View is currently streaming free for subscribers on HBO Max and DirecTV, and it's available to rent for most of the other streaming services. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, follow us on Twitter at Free Range Critic, and subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. In any of these places, we encourage you to leave a comment on the show or suggest a film Nakia desperately needs to see to make her life complete. Until next time, remember, true love means conning your partner into watching movies they really, really don't want to watch.